brilliant and famous essay portrayed the Iliad as an indictment of war, while Alexander the Great used to sleep with it under his pillow, esteeming it as a treasury of all military virtue. His personal copy had been corrected by his tutor, Aristotle. But all readers, whatever their point of view, can appreciate the sheer power of Homer's language, even in the most prosaic or mediocre translations. That power is where I want to begin, and not so much with comments as with examples. I want to point to the pleasures we find everywhere in the poem, the bursts of delight that lie in store for us even before we are able to appreciate the glorious architecture of the whole or the subtleties of its moral insight. Here is a ship sailing to Troy. And as soon as the flush of dawn appeared in the heavens, they boarded the ship and launched her. Apollo sent them a favoring breeze, and they raised the mast, and they hoisted the white sail aloft, and it bellied out with the wind, and on either side of the ship's prow the deep blue water sang out as the ship flew over the waves to her goal. A Trojan archer shooting an arrow. And laying the arrow's notched end in the ox-gut bowstring, he pulled it back with his right hand as far as his nipple, with the iron tip of the arrow touching the bow shaft, and the shaft was bent back, and he aimed, and then he let go, and the great bow twanged, and the string sang out, and the arrow flew through the dense crowd, eager to find its mark. As the arrow is about to find its mark, the goddess Athena deflects it. But then, Menelaus, the blessed gods did not forget you. Athena stepped out before you and with her hand deflected the deadly arrow, brushing it off as a mother brushes a fly from her sleeping child. The Trojan army, after a day of sustained carnage, is camped out on the plain, dangerously close to the Achaean ships. So, with elated hearts, they sat up all night on the battlefield, and their watchfires blazed all around them. As in the night sky, around the light of the moon, the stars emerge when the air is serene and windless, and the stars shine bright, and the heart of the shepherd rejoices. So before Ilion, the watchfires the Trojans had set blazed midway between the ships and the river Xanthus. A thousand watchfires were burning upon the plain, and around each fifty men sat in the glow of the firelight, and the horses stood alongside the chariots, munching white barley and oats, and waited for dawn to arise. Where did this shepherd come from? He miraculously pops up out of the poet's imagination, and his joy and the glittering stars and the casual chewing of the horses give a feeling of profound awe to the scene. What an astonishing image this is, with its sense of infinite serenity that arises not from any of the characters. The Trojans are revved up with anticipation. The Achaeans are terrified, but from the poet's own peace of heart. Here is a passage in which Homer feels his way into the very horses. It ends with a line that may at first seem chilling in its matter-of-factness and lack of sentimentality. Just so did the Trojan troops fall, 
and many horses pulled empty chariots that rattled across the plain, and they longed for their drivers. But these lay dead on the ground, far dearer now to the vultures than to their wives. As the Achaean hero Ajax is being pushed back by the Trojans, Homer superimposes a willful donkey onto him. And as when a donkey is led by some boys down a road, a stubborn beast on whom many sticks have been broken, and they pass a field, and his strength is too much for the boys, and he willfully turns in to ravage the high-standing grain, and although they beat him with sticks, their strength is too feeble. They manage to drive him out with much effort, and only when he has eaten his fill. Just so did the Trojans keep crowding Ajax and thrusting at him with their spears. Both the armies fight on, evenly balanced.